I want you to think back to a birthday or an anniversary where you got a gift. And you opened that gift and you thought, what am I supposed to do with this? Maybe it was an item of clothing, maybe it was some piece of technology and you were appreciative of the gift and you were appreciative of the person who gave you the gift, but you thought, I'll never wear that, I'll never use that, I don't even know what to do with this gift. And maybe you thought to yourself, or maybe you blurted out, what is this? And maybe you hurt somebody's feelings, even though you were appreciative of that gift. So I want you to think back to that gift that you didn't know what to do with. We begin a new series today called Gifted. More specifically, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I've wanted to do this for years, and we're going to start doing this today. And so let me tell you about the foundational verse that I'm using The foundational verse is found in Acts chapter 2, so let me tell you about Acts chapter 2. Jesus is dead, Jesus has ascended, Jesus is gone, and in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he preaches this moving message. Here's some bits of that. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, we're thousands of years removed from that, but if you were in the audience that day, and you were told that you were one of the people, which we are because of our sins, that you were one of the people that murdered Jesus, that killed Jesus, that put Jesus to death, can you imagine the emotions going through your mind? Can you imagine how you might feel? Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Well, imagine when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what, what, what do we do? It wasn't just how do we fix this because Jesus has already been killed, but you hear that message and you're like, what, what, what do we do? How do we respond to that message? And Peter responds and says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And that's usually where we stop. That's usually where most churches of Christ stop. We preach repentance and we preach baptism. To the point that we have hammered people over repentance and baptism. And I want to be clear. I believe in repentance. I believe in baptism. But the verse doesn't stop there. We keep reading. And you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. And your response might be, just like that birthday gift or that anniversary gift, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know the purpose of that gift. I don't know how to respond to that gift. And that's the purpose of this study, gifted, a study of the Holy Spirit. And that may make you a little nervous. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. I spoke with a pastor in another church and asked him, can you tell me why you're growing? Can you tell me how you're growing? What is going on at this church? And he said, we expect the Spirit to show up at our worship. Said no one in any church of Christ I've ever been in. Because it makes us nervous. Many authors have said to the point, I don't even know who to give credit to, so I'll quote somebody else. Remove the Holy Spirit from the first century church and 95% of all activity would cease. Remove the Holy Spirit from the church today and 95% of all activity would continue. And now let me have a little fun with you. It's fun for me. I heard a preacher say, the assemblies of God stole our doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I wish they would have stolen our doctrine of announcements. We have some people more interested in the announcements and their announcement getting made from the pulpit than any discussion on the Holy Spirit, which illustrates my point. So we're going to look at the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And again, I know you might be apprehensive of that. I was talking to both of my sisters last night, and I said, I, I, for me, it's quite a challenge to talk about the Holy Spirit in Churches of Christ. Because when I was growing up in western Oklahoma, we didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. When I went to Oklahoma Christian College and got a degree in Bible, we never talked about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never been to a class on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never done a study of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just isn't brought up a whole lot or discussed because eh, we're just not sure. And I think we've been negligent in talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been afraid of talking about the Holy Spirit. We're confused about the Holy Spirit, which is interesting because the Word of God is saturated with Scriptures on the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. The Word of God is saturated with Scriptures on the Holy Spirit. And I don't think we should neglect conversations about the Holy Spirit. But again, I know you might be nervous. You might be nervous because when I was growing up, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Ghost. And you think of ghost. Ghosts are kind of creepy. Ghosts are kind of eerie. There's ghost TV shows and ghost movies. And we're like, I don't know that I want to talk about the Holy Ghost. To the point that I can remember when we just called it it. Wasn't Holy Spirit. Wasn't Spirit. Wasn't Holy Ghost. It was just... Maybe you're nervous because for years there have been so many misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard what 
what other churches are doing and saying and teaching about the Holy Spirit, which is interesting. You might not know what you believe about the Holy Spirit, but you know they're wrong. Maybe you carry some baggage because you have some stereotypes of what the Holy Spirit is and what He's supposed to do. Some of you hear Holy Spirit, and immediately you might be thinking, okay, Richie, we're going to go charismatic. That's what he's wanting to talk about. So you might be nervous. Maybe you're nervous because so many people have just abused Scripture when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we've just abused Scripture, period. We take things out of context. We try to fit things for our own arguments. So let me be way exaggerated for you. Please know that I'm way exaggerating this point. Okay? I've got a friend that loves to take Scripture out of context for his arguments. Loves to take Scripture out of context. So I'm exaggerating here. This friend has never said this, but I'm exaggerating to prove a point, all right? He could read Genesis 1, 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and his conclusion would be, See, it says right there, the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Or, he could read any scripture, maybe that one, and say, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he might say, See, That's why you need to be baptized. He abuses Scripture and he uses every Scripture as a weapon for his argument. And a lot of people do that with the Holy Spirit. We do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. So this is just kind of our introduction and I kind of want to lay the groundwork and look at some ground rules as we talk about the Holy Spirit. So I'm sure you understand that not everything in Scripture has the same value. Not everything in Scripture has the same weight. And I know in saying that, you're thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. All Scripture is inspired and all Scripture is given by God, but not every Scripture has the same value weight or value let me illustrate hearing that jesus had silenced the sadducees all week long i've looked at that verse and i love that line jesus silenced the sadducees but we'll go on the pharisees got together one of them an expert in the law tested jesus with this question teacher Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Because to the Pharisees, they were all equal. They all had the same value. They all had the same importance. And they're testing Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what's the most important one? Thinking that he wouldn't answer with the most important one. And you know what he does? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest. They tested him and he answered and they didn't like that answer. But even Jesus says that some commandments have more value and more weight. Now, he goes on to silence the Pharisees. In the next chapter, Jesus pronounces seven woes. If Jesus pronounces a woe on you, woe unto you, you better be paying attention. So he says to the Pharisees, What do you teach as law and Pharisees? You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, 
mercy, and faithfulness. So according to Jesus, some commandments, some things have more value and more weight. So the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they both abuse Scripture, just like people do today. A lot of Scripture, just like people do today with the Holy Spirit. I want to say that and lay that groundwork up front because a lot of people abuse the teaching of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. And it's usually for their personal gain. Let me give you an example of that from Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, we have Philip preaching the gospel, and one of the people who responds is Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer responds. He believes, and he's baptized, and he starts following Philip and the other apostles all around to the point he sees Peter and John preaching, and they prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer says... Can I give you some money? Because I want that power. I want that spirit. What can I do to get that? Not just the Holy Spirit the way the apostles intended, but can I buy that from you? Because he was interested in personal gain. Now, you're going to hear me say this throughout this series, and I don't know how long this series is going to last. Maybe till the Lord comes. I just lost some of you. (laughs) God does not gift us with the Holy Spirit for our personal agendas. God gifts us with the Holy Spirit for His agenda. God does not gift us with the Holy Spirit for our personal agendas. God gifts us with the Holy Spirit for His agenda. We'll be talking about that. Let me be very clear. There are people who say, you know, the Holy Spirit made me do that. Who was that comedian when I was growing up years ago who said, the devil made me do it? Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. The Holy Spirit made me do that. As if to blame the Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Spirit led me to do that. No evil led you to do that sometimes. Remember this guy named David Koresh? He accredited everything to God. I don't think God did that. Some people say the Holy Spirit spoke to me about that. No, you just had something bad for supper last night. Usually it's for people's personal gain. It's for their personal agenda. It's to bring attention to them. And I wrote down, show me a church with a lot of personal agendas. Show me a church with people drawing attention to themselves. And I'll show you a church like Corinth in the Bible. I'll show you a church with the absence of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not about personal agendas. Now, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but check out this scripture. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not your good. Not your benefit, for God's benefit. Other translation, uh, as a special way of serving others, to help everyone, as a means of helping the entire church, that all may benefit. 
Holly mentioned we're going to have a connections fair after worship today. Opportunities to serve. So you've been gifted to serve other people and we're giving you those opportunities. That's why we want you to go to the connections fair for the common good. So here's what I want to do today. I'm just, I'm just going to close out and I'm going to give you some scriptures about the Holy Spirit that maybe you haven't seen in a while um, just to get your attention. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I get the impression from that scripture to stay in context that the Holy Spirit's can enable you to do something that you were not able to do. The Holy Spirit's can enable you to be a witness. Because the Holy Spirit enables us to do things we can't do on our own. For example... When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I grew up in the church of Christ. I've been in the church of Christ. I think I was born in a church of Christ building. Let's be careful not to say, yeah, but God doesn't work that way anymore. Let's be careful in telling God what He can and cannot do today. You may not want Him to. One of the books I've been reading by Terry Rush is Afraid God Works. Afraid He Doesn't. What this scripture tells me, just to clarify, any uneasiness or apprehensive, you might be thinking, I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enabled them to do something that they were not able to do. Just like today with Christ followers, the Holy Spirit enables us to live in a way that we were not able to live before we started following Christ. Now... I think that's the best approach to baptism. I'm not trying to be that guy that brings baptism into every single sermon, but we preach repentance and we preach baptism and we don't ever say much, if any, about the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is given to us to enable us to live the life God has called us to live. And we're thinking, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with that gift. But here's what Paul says. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he's called you, so that you may know the riches of his, in, of his glorious inheritance, so that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's the Holy Spirit. Given to us to enable us to do what we can't do on our own. How about this in Acts 4? Peter and John raised their voices to God saying, Lord, consider the threats we're facing and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what they prayed for. And the Holy Spirit enabled them to do what they were not able to do. They spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. How about this one? Jesus said to Nicodemus, you remember Nicodemus came to Jesus in John 3, and, you know, how can a man... 
be born again. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and I highlighted wind because the word for wind and the word for Spirit are the same root form, meaning... You can look out the window and see the effects of the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see what the wind does. You don't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the results of the Holy Spirit when we live by the Spirit. We'll come back to that. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Those who live according to sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit... And again, we're thinking, yeah, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what to do with that gift. Have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit... And that bothers us a little bit. What do you mean the mind controlled by the Spirit? We'll talk about that. It's life and peace. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. We're going to talk about how you can know if the Spirit of God is living in you. Again, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. God has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws. This covenant is of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Now, I wrote this down. Show me a church wrapped up in legalism and tradition and laws. And I'll show you a dead and dying church where the Holy Spirit is absent. Because the Spirit gives life. Show me a church full of life. And I'll show you a church where the Holy Spirit exists. Show me a church full of death. And I'll show you a church where the Holy Spirit is absent. Now, check this one out. This, this one challenges me. Jesus said to his followers, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm leaving. Unless I go away, the counselor, we'll talk about that, that's the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Other translations. It's to your advantage that I go away. It's better for you. It's for your benefit. The Holy Spirit can't come help you until I leave. And they're thinking, no, 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 Jesus, can you just stay with us forever? And Jesus said, no, no, no. You want me to go. Because unless I go, I can't send the Spirit to you. And you might be thinking... I'd rather have Jesus in the Spirit. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You want me to go. Which is interesting. God has always been with us. God the Father. God the Son. God the Spirit. And that confuses us to the point that I will tell you, surely you know I don't have all the answers. Surely you know I don't have all the answers on the Holy Spirit. Surely you know... If you're expecting me to explain God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son, I'll try and I'll show you scriptures that illustrate that. But I've never felt like I have to have all the answers. 
I think the Bible calls that faith. I, I trust God to have all the answers. So, gifted. That's why we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We are not given the Holy Spirit for no reason. We are not given the Holy Spirit for little reason. We are not given the Holy Spirit for any useless reason. We are given God's Spirit. God gifts us with His Spirit. And we may not know what to do with that gift. But we're going to learn about it in the weeks to come. I think what we should do at this time is acknowledge the gift and thank God for the gift. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today because you always want to be with us. Even Jesus said, I'll be with you always. And you have illustrated and demonstrated that you always want to be with us. To the point that you give us a gift. You give us your spirit. You give us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. And Father, forgive us for not understanding that better, wanting to understand that better. But Father, today we thank you for that gift. You have given us the gift of your Son. You have given us the gift of your Spirit. And Father, we praise you for that. And we're thankful for that. And we will understand that, Father, we will be, need to be appreciative of that when times are tough, when trials come, when tribulations come, knowing that you are right there with us. Father, we ask that you bless this study in weeks to come. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.